a code rent for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green-related, it's in. Our man with his trusty torch of truth, shining a light onto all matters in this area, often coming to the precipice of exasperation, but somehow always clawing it back and remaining optimistic in the process. He's the green environmentalist and green entrepreneur, Dale Vince. Morning, Dale. Hello, morning, Ian. How is that torch? That's all right. You know, I've got like rechargeable batteries, so, you know, it dims every now and then. It never uh, goes out. (laughs) Not completely. completely. Um, Let's start with this, because this kind of comes under Chapter 476 of Tell Us Something We Didn't Know. Uh, The World Meteorological Organization scratching their heads, really, thinking how much more evidence does the world need about climate change in order for someone to actually do something about it in a Mm. serious manner rather than tinkering? Yeah, you made me think there. They're scratching their heads while world leaders scratch their asses, right? That's what you made me think. <laughs> <laughs> and at the heart of this story, they're saying there are four big measures by which we're failing absolutely. Uh, greenhouse gas uh, concentrations in the atmosphere have never been higher. The rate of sea rise has never been higher at nearly five millimeters a year. It's doubled what it was 20 years ago. It's gone up 100 millimeters since the 90s, right? Well, Maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. The temperature of the, of the ocean has never been higher, and it's also going deep down into the ocean where it can't escape, it can't change, it can't cool off, and that's causing – it's one of the drivers of cyclones, typhoons, tropical storms, and that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. a.k.a. climate crisis-type weather. And the last thing is the acidification of the oceans have never been higher in 26,000 years. I mean, that's a real cocktail of, like, failure and big warning signals about the climate yeah. crisis. That these are not kind of like minor little headlines, are they, around the world? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Any one of them, right? Any one of them is bad. On their own, correct, yeah. <laughs> you would go, shit, we must do something about this. Um, and yet, you know, we get the kind of, you know, the government minister that cried at COP26, and you think, well, you know, I'm not taking the piss that he cried. I, you know, he was, if he'd meant it, then that's great. But where's the evidence that that kind of level of frustration is manifesting in some kind of action? Which is a fair point. Yeah. Where, where is the evidence that he went away from that and said, you know what, I'm going to do something about that. Crying's not enough. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so he just scratched his ass some more. <laughs> yes. Could have been that. Uh, here's a question from Richard, who said, I've been an Ecotricity customer for about a thousand years. I love wow. that. I, I, I love you. what you've achieved. We would like to sell our excess solar PV generation to Ecotricity rather them to one of the greenwashers. How soon can we expect Ecotricity's smart export tariff to be available? It's a good question. It is a good question. And the good news is we're on top of all of the really big issues at Ecotricity. We just had some catch-ups about that this week. Uh, you know, all of our backlogs are down. Our new systems are working. Customer contact, thankfully, is down because we're solving problems. By the end of the summer, we'll be back into our 
really good place as a company. That's like about three months from now. And smart export tariff is the very next thing on our list of things to do. So it is coming. It is coming soon. And thank you for that loyalty for a thousand years. I love it. That's amazing amount of time he's put in there. (laughs) Only Jesus could have uh, really (laughs) dedicated (laughs) such lengths of time to the cause, as it were. Um, but it's, it comes up quite a lot on the radio as well about people who've gone, you know, they've done what they think is the right thing, solar panels, and, you know, trying to sort of generate a greener form of energizing their house and their life, et cetera, and then feel kind of slightly ripped off when they're attempting to sell back to, well, as Richard called them, greenwashers. And there is a fair bit of that going on, right? Oh, yeah. There's plenty of greenwashing going on in the market. There's a big disparity between the price you can get for export and the price you pay for import. And that always does look wrong. I get that. But I mean, there are a lot of reasons for that. It's not always um, unfairness. You know, there there are a lot of structural reasons for that. um, Uh, The news, of course, of energy prices and crisis continues. Um, We've got a question about that in just a second. But meantime, off-gem, Uh, The official regulator, of course, of all things related to this, recommends changing the price cap every three months. What do you make of that? Yeah, I've seen there's been some kind of uh, upset over that, let's say. Was it, uh, what's his name? Martin Lewis got, uh, lost his rag, didn't he? Swore off Gem about it. Um, And I don't understand that, actually, because I don't think he understands what's happening here. You know, the price cap is imposing on energy companies a 2% profit margin, which is wafer thin. There is no industry or business in our economy that runs at that level, uh, let alone a business as volatile as the energy market, where you have all kinds of swings yeah, of that, yeah. that can just uh, wipe. literally could change one week to the next. Absolutely. So I don't think he understands the market. The price cap actually is a real, it's like a boa constrictor on the price that energy companies can charge and the margins that they can make. I mean, a supermarket, for example, will make 10 or 20 times that profit margin, but there's no price cap on food. I think there should be actually. Anyway, at the moment, it's done every six months. So twice a year, Ofgem makes an adjustment. And, you know, they've got an army of economists there and they create these incredibly complex formulae. They look backwards and forwards and all this kind of stuff. But of course, once every six months, can't reflect what's happening in the market every day. Um, you know, in that six month period, because I mean, they haven't got a crystal ball, right? And stuff comes along and it changes. And and this is what broke 30 energy companies, basically, the yeah. price cap was set at one point of the year. And within the next six months, everything went tits up. And, you know, price wise, and it broke half the market. So doing it every three months is smarter. Actually, if you're going to have a price cap, which if you have it on retail or not wholesale is actually basically dumb, in my opinion. But if you're going to do it every uh, every three months, at least the price gets to move more in line with the market, which moves every day. Right. So it's going to I mean, maybe we should have a price cap every day. I don't know. But it shows just how preposterous it is to try and control this global free inverted commas market with uh, a, a very socialist concept of a price cap, but not doing it properly. So That's I, the I, point, isn't it? Because yeah. if you took that model to Dragon's Den or something and said, look, this is how we <laughs> want to run it, they would just kick you out the room and say, well, that no business could function efficiently in that way. Yeah, I mean, there is that. And as you I mean, say, let alone the energy business, which is, by definition, there's a, there's a built-in volatility to the model in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you've got exposure to things like bad debt, right? So if you're a supermarket, you've sure. got no exposure to bad debt because people pay on the way out. Yeah, in the In the energy world, people pay you a month later or more, and yeah. you know, therefore you get bad debt, and that can just wipe out your 2% profit margin. It's a horrible business to be in, actually. Yeah. Um, 
There it is. And it's, and it's horrible for people right now to try and afford to pay their energy bills. So why won't the government put a windfall tax on the North Sea operators where all of the money from our energy bills has actually been flowing? You know, they're, they're, the, they're the people kind of reaping the reward for this crazy commodity price the world has set, even for the North Sea gas that, you know, we own, that, that powers our own country. We're paying st- them stupid amounts of money for it. Government says, nah, that would inf- that would affect investment. It would affect pensioners, whatever, whatever. But it's affecting bill payers. They should do something about that. Well, as my old nan used to say, what a load of bollocks. <laughs> That's right. And look, it's happened in other parts of Europe, right? <laughs> you know, the, the, the Spanish have done it. The Belgians have done yeah, it. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the French have done it. You know, but we can't do it. We scratch our asses instead. Well, on that point, Shay on Twitter says, am I right in hearing gas prices have collapsed, but none of this is being passed on to consumers? Yeah, well, I'm hearing rumblings about this. Uh, it's, it's definitely come off from its crazy peaks, but it hasn't collapsed. It's still well above the long-term kind of uh, norm, if there was one. Um, it's still high, but not stupidly high is what I would say. But And here's the other problem. With the price cap, the only way to protect yourself as an energy company is to hedge in accordance with the way Ofgem calculates the price cap, you know, um, in terms of your forward buying, like for six months or something like that. So if you do that to protect yourself and then prices change up or down, you're protected from the up, which is a good thing. But when prices go down, people want it cheaper, but you've already bought it at that price. You can't sell it cheaper until the next time you need to hedge. At least with a three-monthly review, that can change more quickly. So I would say to Martin Lewis, actually, what this means, the three-month review, is the prices can go down sooner than they can with with a six-month review. Uh, Here's an interesting headline. Uh, A new one-year delay at UK Hinkley Point nuclear plant. Uh, This, of course, is the big EDF project down there in the southwest of England. It's already cost an absolute fortune. It's already delayed, and now it's going to cost more and be delayed further. Yeah, and it's like this is the news we're used to hearing about nuclear power stations, right? It's already 10 years late and billions over budget. Total cost now is estimated to be £23 billion an incredible sum of money. And I was doing some rough kind of fag packet calculations in my head. I've got a fag packet in my head. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I reckon we could build enough wind energy for that 23 billion to power the 30% of our country, right? Hinkley's going to do 7%. We could do it with wind energy 30% for the same money. Oh, and by the way, it, would, it wouldn't be 10 years late. We could do the whole thing in 10 years. Hinkley's been going on for probably a quarter of a century. Question from Martin, who's emailed, how many applications have you received already for head coach for Forest Green? (laughs) Well, I don't know what the club has had. Uh, I've had like probably a half a dozen emails from from, uh, all kinds of people, let's say, that are interested in the job. But uh, we're taking a different approach because of our circumstance, because... Uh, you know, it's come just at the end of a season. The window to the new season has been shortened by the World Cup this year. So the new season starts sooner. We've got less time to move. We're going to have a quicker process. Uh, we've identified the person that we'd like to offer the job to. And we're just waiting for permission from his club to talk to him. I hope Which is we'll the proper get... way to do things, by the way, isn't it? To contact exactly. the club. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. not to bring that up again, but that is the way to do it. Uh, yeah. Patrick Vieira might be available, of course. Oh, didn't know. You see this? No, I not seen that. He had a, a bit of an auto. The palace manager had a bit of an altercation uh, with a supporter during a pitch invasion. Oh, they've just been relegated, have they? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't good, but it was the Everton match. And yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think he was being taunted. Well, he was being taunted quite mm. badly. 
Did he do a Cantona? Yeah, it was a bit that actually. It was but just one. At least Cantona used two legs, didn't he? It was a full he scissor did. kick. He did. Uh, but this was just kind of one legged. But maybe he's not got the right kind of temperament for us then. Well, maybe he has. No, it's not what you want, is it? Really? Well, yeah, when you, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the pressure piles on as you move up those leagues, Dale. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Uh, decommission. Now, this is interesting. Based on the back of what we've just been talking about, decommissioning nuclear power stations uh, costs source to twenty three point five billion, which yeah. is by a wonderful piece of synergy, is the same cost uh, that it takes to build one of the darn things. It's spooky, isn't it? Another twenty three billion. So put the two of them together, and my thirty percent from wind energy becomes sixty percent. That's true. Oh my, oh my god! Like yeah, you know, and it just impact. It just shows you how how little we need relatively to get yeah. to 100% green energy. Actually, we were already at 40%, so we only got to build 60 more, right? We could do it for about 50 billion quid, which pre the crisis, the energy crisis, was the amount of money we spent on fossil fuels to bring them here and burn them every single year. So a one-year budget would take us to 100% green energy. I mean, what better way to spend the money rather than something that single-use fuel and you have to buy it every year, spend yeah. it once on renewable energy, once. Uh, and this one is really worrying, and it does actually touch on, um, like so many of these subjects, they keep returning to our agenda, don't they, in, in sort of different forms. And you think, wow, we've literally been discussing this for two years. Chemical pollution is worsening the obesity epidemic. Yes. And I've, I read the headline as worsening the pandemic, uh, I, I think is what it says, actually. And, uh, and I thought it meant the, the COVID pandemic. And, and it's not. It's the obesity pandemic they're calling it and, and i'm thinking like we have so many pandemics we're blessed with it's hard to know which one we're talking about yeah. but but this is the one that says by 2040 40 percent of britons will be obese and the scary finding in this story is that chemicals in plastics are altering our genes to make us fatter or to make it easier for us to gain weight and harder for us to lose it and those changes in the genes are being passed down to our children. They're becoming intergenerational. And that is super scary, right? The fact that it could happen to us now in our plastic-dominated world is one thing. But the yeah, fact yeah. that we're locking it into our genes for our uh, – well, they're not ancestors. They're the other thing, aren't they? The, the people that come yeah, after yeah. us, uh, whatever they're called. Is like, I think they're just the people that come after us. Uh, well, I can live with, I can live with that. <laughs> that <laughs> but that's like super scary, right? Because that's permanent damage. Yeah. They're called obesogens the toxins that can affect how the body controls weight and not yet part of kind of the, the, the sort of mainstream world of medicine isn't really kind of looking at this in the way they should. And I, I would factor in another thing here, of course, is that if you look at the, I mean, the causes of obesity, sort of multifarious list of, uh, of what is behind it. But I mean, check out fast food and most yeah. fast food is burgers and chicken parlors and the like, and it's fried and it's full of sugar, it's full of salt and it's full of animals. And we know about the false economy in doing this. Uh, but the fact that there's such a proliferation of these places is clearly a factor in this too. Yeah, sugar, fat, and salt, right? The mainstays of all processed food. And it's been going on for decades, and the yep. government will not regulate it. And they must. They have to. And as you say, these places are springing up everywhere. And the adverts for them are all over sport, of course. You know, McDonald's and Coca-Cola, yep. you know, dominate international football competitions, which is wrong and should change. My God, it's a bit of a mess, really. Well, it's funny. You, I mean, the, the whole idea of cigarette advertising went out years ago. And everybody kind of gets that and goes, yeah, it's a bit of a stupid thing, really, wasn't it? An athletics tournament sponsored by Benson and Hedges just didn't really make much, <laughs> much sense. Uh, and yet we somehow have failed spectacularly to apply the very same quite obvious 
uh, intelligent logic to to, to fatty foods and mm. grisly diets that clearly mm. can only take you in one direction ultimately. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know it's often about lobbies, uh, lobbies that prevent change. The tobacco lobby managed it for a very long time. Yep. I mean, there was a time when tobacco companies advertised their products as healthy, for example, and that gradually changed as the evidence became overwhelming. You know, fossil fuel companies have been denying the climate crisis for a very long time. They don't do that now. They just talk about the transition that we need to take 100 years over or something. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's been obvious that our food is killing us for a very long time, uh, but we aren't doing anything about it yet. And I do think that we should put health warnings on animal products, you know, yeah. like well, we do with tobacco. Say, so, look, sure. this stuff kills you, actually. And here's some pictures of, uh, you know, what it can do to you. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's a that's a basic fair approach because people are otherwise lacking information they think if it's in the shops it must be okay and a final question from janet on facebook dale any more news on your ministry of education i think we've just heard a lecture from your ministry of education it sounded great did it well, i'm me. in the class oh, <laughs> the ministry of eco education absolutely well look there's not a lot of news i had a catch up this week we've got 15 schools now running our primary school curriculum it's a whole school curriculum with the sustainability woven into every single topic we've got another 10 waiting in the wings and we're aiming to have a, a hundred i think it was no a thousand a thousand by september to start the new school year and now we're looking to develop a secondary school version of the primary school thing uh, by the time the government comes to look at this in two years' time to think about if they need to do something, we'll have it covered. Perfect. Dale, that's it for this episode. Uh, we're speaking a week. Oh, cool. Here's the thing. All uh, right. Um, got an email from somebody called Sarah about zero, zero carbon homes. And one thing she said to me was, love the podcast, but it's too short. I don't know what you think about that, you and anybody that's listening. Does it need to be longer? Yeah, it's a good point. I thought throw the question out there. People listening might have an opinion. Perfect. Perfect. Dale, we'll speak next week. Yeah, nice one. Looking forward to it already. That is it, me too. <laughs> that is it for this episode. Don't forget to follow this podcast from your podcast provider so you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review there too. And follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero carbon. East off.